Hey, it's David Cherry and welcome to the show. This podcast helps you stay in tune with the new energy around community and brand building, sharing conversations with some of my friends and my favorite online founders and creators about how they built a brand and community around what they do. And as always, if you want to reach out, just look me up in the show notes, check out the guest links. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, hey, it's David. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Nick DeWilde. And Nick, I met because he wrote a really interesting uh, blog on what it what it takes to sort of build a community and thinking about all the different layers of building community via his substack, which is junglegym.substack.com. Nick has an interesting background in that he worked uh, at sort of like a education accelerator um, previous to what he does now, which is he's the, the main um, product marketer at Guild, which helps companies transform their workforces uh, through education. Nick is a really interesting uh, thinker because he's sort of in that ex- exploratory phase of both working at a company full-time, but also pursuing side projects. So in the conversation that we have, we we dig into you know what's it like both having a career, but also uh, exploring the creator space and can you do both and you know what are the risks of that so i think we get into some of the more squishy topics around how does it feel to sort of uh create regularly create in public try new things and he's been experimenting a lot um and i know it's something that for a lot of people is kind of scary to put yourself out there so we kind of dig into that um and uh yeah just a super nice guy and i'm excited to uh to have him on the show like most of my guests i feel like there's going to be some recurring people, and Nick definitely could be uh, one of them. So with that, enjoy the show. All right. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the show. Very excited to speak with Nick DeWilda today. Uh, we chatted for the first time, I think, like maybe a month ago now or something, and immediately we hit it off just discussing communities, and Nick has a really great Substack newsletter that he's been um, building out and experimenting a ton on, which I've been observing from afar, all, all the different you know kind of aspects that you've been testing out with the, with the latest tools. Um, and so, yeah, just glad glad to have you on to get this recorded so that other people can can hear our nerdy conversation. Yeah, I feel like we when we talked last time, we like have all the same weird intersection of interests, which which I I feel like should be kind of a more common grouping of interests, which I I cannot put my finger on. I feel like you're better than I am, but like from kind of brand to community to it's it's sort of like people systems. I I don't even know how to explain it, but it's and then I think there's a mix of psychology in there. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was it was pretty clear. Uh, your your kindred spirit. <laughs> Yeah, it's really interesting. Like I, I do, you know, and I think we can talk some about your career kind of shifts because I know you're in a new role. And, um, you know, I do feel personally a little bit of that sense of like, I am this generalist. I, I feel like I pick up on trends. I really love brands. I, you know, nerd out on on how companies are speaking to their audiences. Um, and it is kind of difficult sometimes to meld all those together into something coherent that you can do um, for a career. And, you know, today I was thinking we could talk some about like side projects versus career because the side project world, and we could talk about your, your newsletter, you can kind of expand across any, you, you can traverse all of those topics and it's kind of okay. It's just an experiment. On the career front, probably need to be a little bit more legible, you know, in terms of what it is that you do. So um, I'm curious, like maybe we could start with, um, you know, what it is that you're up to now at, at Guild. And then we can jump back a little bit to some of the stuff uh, that you were up to previously and talk about your newsletter. So yeah, what do you feel like the role is that you're, that you're in right now? 
Yeah, good good question. It's it's um it's it's changed a bit since I started. So maybe I'll I'll just I can kind of give you the 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 background of how I got into guild and that'll that'll Perfect. sort of give the the Perfect. story of, of of how I got where I got. Um so so yeah, it's it's been a been a crazy year. Um, so basically, in January, I I left what was you know a, a super fulfilling job where I'd been for about four and a half years and and kicked off a job search. Um, and and so I really just you know I, I allotted some months to just kind of explore. Um, and then uh, and then COVID hit, <laughs> and um, and then and so what was a a pretty successful job search sort of. Uh, uh, abruptly kind of halted like my my and you remember when that when sequoia released that like black swan memo yes yeah there was like everything essentially it said everything's going to hell and and be prepared right totally. I, I think yeah. like that yeah. was that was the day that like every company's sales pipeline froze and that like rebounded to their hiring and they were like stop hiring and so like four to five companies just ended up ghosting which was it was, it was like a um, it was, it was a pretty rude awakening. Um, and so, and so, so basically I'm, I'm sort of doing a job search as companies are, are laying off employees. I'm, I'm going, you know, stir crazy, which, which my wife can attest to. Um, luckily like the company that I was most excited about didn't end up slowing down the process. And so that's a company called Guild. Um, and so I assume most people haven't heard, heard of Guild since they're, Kind of an enterprise company we serve frontline workers so I'll, I'll do just a quick overview if that's helpful um basically like guild's one of those sort of rare companies that like they they don't need to make trade-offs between doing well and doing good um and so it's kind of just baked right into the business model which is which is what made it an attractive company to to, to join um and, and and how it works is like you know you can think of like a fortune 1000 company like walmart disney might approach us because in some way they need to transform their workforce um but they're looking for a partner who's who's not only knowledgeable about how to how to do the transformation, but but how to actually make sure that that um, it's a solution that's going to be beneficial for their frontline workers. So so you know a lot of our customers um, use our tuition assistance product, which allows their frontline workers to earn degrees without paying any out of pocket costs. So that's that's kind of a win win for them. Um, the the employer gets to retain the employee. Um, universities actually um, are, are able to to acquire new students without having to spend a bunch of money on Facebook. And then, um, and then obviously it's, it's a win for the, the workers who get to earn their degrees. So, so that's just kind of like one transformation we help with. There's, there's hiring and upskilling and outplacement, all sorts of things. Um, but, but a Guild's sort of unique take is, is that every, every solution we provide is, is sort of in service of creating economic opportunity for workers through education. Um, so anyway, I'm kind of giving away the punchline, but, but um, ended up joining Guild um, just, just as the company was going remote. They were acquiring another company, and we were launching our second product. So it was it was um, it was pretty wild, <laughs> um, and uh, but it's it's honestly it's been super fulfilling, and 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 both from kind of like a sense of mission, but also also professionally. Um, I, I think one of the things that I really wanted to ex, ex, experience um, experiment with uh, was was joining a company that was really fast growing, and, and Guild um, Guild's growing very fast. And, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where like. You know, every time we have a new all hands, like every manager has to like reintroduce themselves because the, the company's grown so much. Um, so, so yeah, and, and I basically joined on to to help with the launch of a of of our next product, next chapter. So it was a, a marketing launch, um, and then and now I'm sort of helping build out a, a, a brand marketing function. So that's kind of um, 
that's as you kind of delineated, like that's like the professional side. And then like the side project creator side is, is this newsletter I'm working on called the jungle gym. Um, it's, it's about work and clear thinking is kind of my, my current um, way to describe it. I, I think of it also sort of like, it's about work life integration um, is another way I, I I'm starting to think about it. Um, but, but basically that, that started in 2019 and in the past year it's grown from like a, a 600 people subscriber base to about like 1800 and so i sort of decided like as that was blowing up that i were blowing up for me <laughs> that, that, that i that i would uh that i would push it and just you know, and try to try to work on growing that audience base so so that's that's kind of what i've been doing um yeah I think that's a great summary. And I love this like topic of experimentation. And I get the sense, um, even with the newsletter for you, that it's something that you're still iterating on and you're still figuring out what is the, what is the thread that I feel like I really want to touch on. Um, and so I'm curious, like you said that it's sort of changed and I feel like um, I, I've seen a lot of experiments happen within it too, around the community and everything. Um, what was like the initial gut feeling of what you saw that newsletter being about? And then, you know, today, what are you sort of excited about as far as direction for what you want to write about or create? Yeah, good question. Um, when I originally started it, the idea was um, a way to kind of keep in touch with a large, large professional network. Um, so I'd, I'd been writing on on Medium for work, um, and and I took the uh, the rite of passage course from David Perel. Like, was in the first the first cohort, I sort of got grandfathered in from being um, part of Tiago's community. So it was it was uh, it was a good deal. And 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 I think one of the probably the the biggest thing that stuck out that I learned from that was just the idea of owning your audience. Um, where like with Medium, you're just you're renting it. And so I wanted be and I, I found that I was spending so much time on Medium just trying to. Um, promote work, right? So like I'd send out emails to friends anyways, asking them to like click heart buttons and stuff. And it, it just, it was, it was really, um, Claps, right? Yeah. Yeah. It just takes forever. And so, and so what was the idea of doing a newsletter just made a lot of sense. Um, really had, had no intention of growing it. It was just, it was more like, honestly, I kind of wanted something that I could fully own. Um, and, and I, you know, I wonder how many people feel that way, but like, the, the nice thing about running a newsletter is like you're sort of the CEO of it. Um, and so kind of whatever else is going on at work or, 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 you know, that, that you're, you're dealing with, like you, it's, it's a thing where like the, the input you put in, like is pretty tied to the output that comes out. Um, and so that was really, you know, that was something that, that I really liked about it. And then, and then honestly, it just, it got me reading, it got me writing um, and it got me sort of, a good way to have like touch points with, with friends without having to do sort of hundreds of coffee meetings. Yeah. I think it's really underestimated. Um, like we, you know, I'm, I'm happy you shared the subscriber sort of amount um, because I think the thing that's interesting about owning your own um, product like that and owning your own niche and speaking to the people who you really want to speak to, you don't need a, a massive audience. Like I think some people think, you know, if they're not in the thousands or whatever at all, then, you know, they're just speaking to no one. But I think today more than ever, 10 of the right people, you know, 50 of the right people, if you're actually just adding value to them, um, that's like a really smart thing to keep just as a, you know, a part of your career. And I think 
not only that, the development I'm sure that you're doing personally through reading uh, is, you know, successful on its own, right? If you're reading more and distilling it and writing down your thoughts. So it's kind of funny because I think, and I think this is shifting now, but, you know, previous to, I think recently it was like, well, I only want to do this newsletter if it's going to be big and if it's going to sell or whatever. And I feel like today it's more like, you know, how can I uh, use it as a tool for my own development um, while also adding value to a small network of people that I want to be connected with. Totally. I mean, I, I think of like, like my, my dad is, is, you know, uh, like in his, in his seventies and, and he like, and he will print out, you know, the, the entire newsletter, highlight it so that he can like discuss these, you know, these random articles that I put in. Uh, and so, awesome. so it's, it's, you know, it's like that, like, when you you go on Twitter and you see people talking about their like newsletter fatigue and like threatening all the unsubscriptions that they're going to do, like, you know, you, you can, I think you can feel like, Hey, you know, should I even be doing this? Like, am I just, you know, creating noise? But like the, it, it's, it's not about those people and that random reader and getting those audience numbers up. It's like finding the, the few people or, or, or the whatever percentage like really resonate where like, the thing you write can actually change some decision they're making. Um, and, and then I also think of it, it's like, you know, at, at some point, like I want to have kids and I would love to have some, some chronicle of what their dad was thinking, you know, in 2020 amidst uh, all this craziness. So it's, it's a little bit of a time capsule too. Um, and then, and I think the, the, the audience growth stuff is sort of just, it's like a fun infinite game. You know, it, it's, it's not, it, it shouldn't be the thing that like totally fills your life, but, um, but it's, it's a, it's just a fun way to kind of keep score. Now the, the worry is like, how do you prevent it from becoming everything? Um, and it, it can be really addicting, but I think the, the, there's so many other benefits. Right. And that addiction isn't as bad as maybe some of the consumption addictions where it's sort of lost time. Like at least you're kind of like building your, your audience up or building your readership. And so while we might uh, ascribe our self-worth to it in a negative capacity, at least it's, it's somewhat productive, I suppose, more so maybe than, a, you know, watching TV or whatever. Well, well it, it's, it is. But, but I, I think that the interesting thing is like the, the creation is, is super productive. It's the, the, audience, the audience building itself which I think is a little dangerous because, because I think the, um, and, and I, I've noticed this in, in myself where like, where I flipped a switch this year and got interested in building an audience and, and this, the sort of like status addiction that you get, it's a real thing. Like I, I think status is to some degree, like it's the, it's like refined sugar for the brain. Um, and, and it, and like, I've, I've noticed that like it can, if you don't watch it, it can easily become the thing that you're seeking. It can, it can sort of direct the things you write about. It can direct the things you do and it can take over the whole endeavor. So I think like the creation is super valuable. It's super generative and productive. And it's, it's that audience building thing that, that I haven't totally cracked a way to do it. That few, and I think part like the idea of a newsletter was, was, was sort of partially that, but ultimately like once you get kind of addicted to numbers going up, um, that's the, that's the sort of challenge that I've, I've found, um, is, is, is hard to, to get right. I think this is a great topic, um, to cover. And so I kind of want to like stick on it for a little bit, because I think this is the challenge that so many people feel, which is, I mean, my sense, and I, I definitely understand and agree. Um, my sense is that what's sort of, 
I guess I'm just going to speak out my, my thesis that's not maybe fully baked yet, but like my, my sense is that um, the status aspect of, um, of creation is sort of what opens doors for a lot of people. Yep. Um, even though it's not like the creation necessarily itself that maybe did that. And, you know, I find it interesting. I, the, the reason we connected, I think, in the first place, which is kind of a cool thing maybe to recognize is um, I read a post that you wrote on uh, community building and I'm forgetting the title right now. Um, but, um, you know, for me, I read that as a creation. I thought, oh, you know, this person has something really interesting to say on this topic. I'm interested in this topic. Let's connect. And I feel like that was like a very healthy non-status, you know, whatever uh, connection that was sort of created. Um, but I sort of am also getting like this sense that, and this kind of happens on other networks other than Twitter too, but like there's sort of this effect where I think people feel, or maybe I feel, so I guess I'll share it that way, that if I can build enough status on something, I'll be able to trade it for something else. But the, the problem is that isn't the same thing as a skill, um, or like a mastery or like a substance necessarily. And so I guess, um, I guess what I'm getting is I'm finding I'm finding it harder to navigate that as well around it does feel like the status is valuable for entry or access to some circles or um, potentially even for sales or something like that, yep. um, like status over substance. But then at the same time, I kind of always have this feeling like if you're not actually building mastery um, and if you're focused on the status instead of the creation, you're missing the engagement and you're missing the like, the good uh, whole sort of part of the process. So I, I don't know, I'm just talking out loud here, but I'm curious what you think, because I think this is, this is an, a topic that I think everybody's kind of battling with a little bit right now, you know, internally. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you value relationship, like I, like I personally, I think everyone has kind of a, some asset they measure their life on. Um, and often I think it's probably like, partially like what you feel like you were deprived of as a kid or something like that. There's some like, connection there, right? For sure. Yeah. And so, you know, for some people it's money, for some people it's like, like knowledge and skill accumulated, like feeling of confidence. Like for me, it was always like, it was kind of relationships, right? I felt like I was, I kind of, I, it took until like college to really feel like I, I, I came into myself and kind of found, I, I definitely had some, some, some amazing friends and, you know, in high school and elementary school, but like it, it took a while to, to feel like I was in that, that that zone where I had a, a good core group, and and so, you know, ultimately I think there's there is um, I think the the ability to write and then build relationships like this one be, because of that is so valuable. The um, I think it's probably the medium in which we do it right where where it's like we're doing it online and we're doing it in these kind of um, you know uh, social media environments that are like designed to kind of hijack all of our brain chemistry and 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 at the same time we're being pulled away from our offices and our friend groups where like we used to kind of feel this um where we used to kind of get our status from and and so it makes these like online environments like twitter so much um seem so much more important um when when they really aren't but it's um especially i think in 2020 that's kind of a that's that's the dilemma and then and then there's also this I think if, if you're in the creator space because because there's sort of this this clear sense that like you know the passion economy has <laughs> has begun you know it, it it you almost feel a little bit of like uh, uh, this 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 competition with other people which which you know is kind of like an, an ugly side of it um, 
So I don't, I don't know. That, yeah. Uh, and, and the rewards, I mean, cause it's kind of like one of those things, I suppose, I think what you're kind of getting at or what you were saying earlier is that we can inflate the scoreboard of likes of, you know, retweets or whatever. And I think where I'm coming at it a little bit is that that doesn't necessarily result in anything directly other than maybe relationships. So I think the relationship thing, that's a very concrete, okay, you can DM with somebody. Now you're connected. Maybe you build like a real relationship there, but the, the points themselves like don't matter at all. I suppose like the hundred likes um, only, only sort of speaks to you being able to sort of win in that game or like win in that arena. Um, And, you know, what's interesting for me in in my career, so I've, I've only worked for myself. Um, I've never worked in a big office. I've never, uh, I've only led teams and never like whatever worked in a team like that. And I've always found myself kind of being like, you know, what are other people doing, you know, every day? And I think in, in a similar way, it's kind of like when you see people be successful on like a Twitter or something like that, it's like, but is that being good at your job? Or like, you know, it's, it's kind of weird to understand where the lines are there. And I mean, um, and this isn't even like specific or, or throwing shade or something like that, but it's like, I feel like you can build enough status to arbitrage it into something. So there's also some success stories where like, you know, maybe it was like a huge Twitter following or something like that, that you then... Um, you then bridge into like a, a skill or a career or, you know, a fund or something like that. It's like, yeah, so it's just, it's just interesting to kind of navigate that, I think. Yeah. I mean, if, if the rewards were, were totally fake, I think, I think you could talk yourself right. out of it, but like, but it's, it's clear there's enough Not real reward, reward yep. um, mixed with kind of some like faux reward <laughs> that, that, that you start to balance. I mean, you, you touched on something interesting, which is like, you know, you're uh, someone who's tweeting like how, how how much is that helping them in their job? And I think one of the interesting things I found is like this is this is one of the first times where I've been both balancing a creator identity, creator audience builder identity, and a professional one. Um, and and mostly actually I think those two things tie in pretty well together. Um, like I, I think a lot of the the people I've met and ideas I've gotten that I've been able to bring in to, to Guild, especially for brand marketing, being able to follow other creators, because I think often it's the independent creators who end up doing interesting things that then funnel into companies. But at the same time, like it, it, it is, it's a weird, um, the, the identities are kind of, they're, they're at a weird balance, right? Like if my, if my hobby was sea kayaking, right? It would be right. totally acceptable. Like there wouldn't be any weirdness about it. And, and frankly, no one, at, I mean, I should say like no one at Guild has even bad an eye about it. But it's, but it's, um, it's in my head that it's like, it's like, oh, like, you know, you send a tweet during the work day, which is kind of like, uh, which it, it feels like, you know, it can be perceived as your attention being pulled away. Um, and so I, I, I try to integrate the two as much as I can, but it's definitely, I, I'm, I've been thinking more and more about like what that, how to, how to create that balance. Um, because I do like both of them and I sort of like the, portfolio of identity versus going all in in one area yeah i think it makes a lot of sense I'm, I'm also seeing advantages to sort of the flip side i think of what you're talking about which is like i work with this company makerpad and i'd say it's to the company's benefit this is a little bit more probably because of the company type and because of the team size and because it's remote and like but it, it's almost to the company's advantage that personalities within the company emerge because yep. then your marketing spreads right and and lambda school i think was sort of like maybe one of the early examples where 
sort of founder-led personalities uh, grew enough of an audience on Twitter that actually translated to their product. Um, that said, it was pretty aligned. You know, what they were sharing was like pretty much just what they were up to as a company. So it kind of, you know, meshed. Um, but I do like this idea of having almost having both worlds, I think for you, it sounds like is a, is a healthier balance in some ways than it could be if you were kind of all in on one. Cause like you said, you have diversification about sort of where you place your worth, you know, uh, how you spend your time. And yeah, I almost wonder if it's, if that's a great model. And just to point out for people, you know, I think people think it's one or the other, right? Should I work at this company or should I jump into the passion economy and, and, um, that's, you know, what I do. And I, I feel like it's interesting to see you succeed using, you know, just doing both and, and that's okay. And in fact, it probably helps you sleep better at night because you can modulate between the two. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wrote something about this a few months ago, which is basically like, I think there are, there are three general strategies to, to work and meaning. And, and one is, you know, work is your source of meaning. And there are some people in the world, like, you know, Leonardo da Vinci, Marie Curie, right? Like people who you just, you're, you're super happy that they spent all of their time on work. Um, and, and it makes sense for them to do that. And it's okay if they're kind of not, not so great parents because frankly, they're just giving to the world in such an important way that, um, that that's really what matters. I, I think of Elon Musk in this category, right? Like, he, like <laughs> you know, whatever you think of him, like he's, you, you kind of want the guy to be all in on work because probably humanity benefits from it. Then there's like work as an enabler of meaning, which is which is um, which is what you what you care about. Sea kayaking, let's say, right? If if you like find your meaning being outdoors and and going on, you know, crazy sea kayaking adventures, then then frankly you should find a job that gives you as much flexibility and ability to do that thing. And you shouldn't really worry about rising up in that in that job. It should just be like, how do I make sure I have this sustain advantage where like that's not going to go away and the last one which which you know i kind of touched on is like is like this portfolio of meaning approach where it's like you know you're a parent you're you're a creator you're uh you're you you work like and 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 it's probably the hardest one to balance but it it's, it's almost, you're almost the most protected because no one thing can take you down like your your identity is kind of distributed enough so that like you know you're you're you feel a little bit more comfortable just you know, uh, with, with whatever may come. Yeah. And maybe the, um, the feeling of, you know, I, I don't want to say, you know, failing in this area is, is mixing up sort of which one you naturally are, uh, within those versions. Right. So you're thinking that you should be Da Vinci when really your natural like proclivity is more this portfolio approach or, or one of the other, do you, is there any type of like heuristic or question or, um, you know, line of thinking that helps someone understand which is right for them. For them, is it just experimentation? Is it just everybody has a natural sort of type, and that's that's what it is, and you just embrace it? Yeah, I mean, to to get, I think if I was to get super prescriptive, um, my 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 partner at Tradecraft really kind of convinced me that that time, like, and how you use it, is a really important metric to to keep track of, and so I'd almost prescribe like a time audit. Right. So like, so like, look at the activities that you do in a given day. Um, look at who you do them with, look at where you do them. Um, and, and, and really think about like, what's your energy level during them? Like, do, do these activities energize you? Do they not? And, and I don't have the exact number, but like, 
if 70% of what you do doesn't energize you, right? That, that means like maybe there's some kind of problem with your current state. Um, at the same time, you also want to be thinking about like a future state, right? You know, you, now you've done a little bit of a, of a, a look at, you know, what you do and, 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 and then thinking about, okay, well, in my ideal world, like, how would I be spending my time? Who would I be spending it with? Where would I be spending it? In, in, in what level of luxury do I need to be spending it in, right? And, and, and no judgment, whatever you find, whatever that is. But once you have those two states, you can kind of figure out what you need to do. And, and I, I think just time tends to be a pretty important one because it's sort of our, our, most, our most finite resource. Uh, it's the one you can't get any more of. So that's, that would be prescriptively how I think about it. Yeah, and it, it sounds like I think the big kind of search is you've got that vision for, you've done the time audit, you know that you're off, you got the vision for how you want it to be. You know, how do you think about, like, I think one thing that's interesting about your writing is a lot of it is on um, decision-making. Like I've noticed that at least, it seems like you like to look at these points of sort of transition and like how to make a decision in that transition point. Um, and so I guess the next kind of piece to what we were just discussing sounds like, how do you find the, um, the framework or like the organization by which you fit in, you know, like, how do you find like the, um, the external circumstance that, that promotes the way you want to spend your time? I wonder if you have written some or thought some about that. I know you're just in a job search, so maybe that's somewhat relevant. Yeah. I mean, like a lot of what you need to do is like, after you've done the work of, of kind of understanding yourself, you have to go into the head of the gatekeeper who's going to keep you from whatever you want to do. Right. And, and so like, and so, um, if, if let's say, you know, you, you, you realize like what gives you energy is, you know, um, design, right. Then, then you might conclude that like, Hey, I should, I should pivot from, uh, here, the one we used to do a lot of tradecraft was, was architecture to product design, right? Like, like I should, I should do this transition. Um, and so what you need to think through is like, okay, well, on the other end of that, there is a hiring manager and there are a bunch of other people, but like particularly a hiring manager who needs to say yes to you. And, and you kind of have to occupy that person's, um, mind and, and really try to figure out, okay, well, you know, this person doesn't want to get fired. So how do I like de-risk myself for them? Um, and, and, and I think that's a, um, that's kind of a, a that, that's a pretty important question. And I think the way you can de-risk yourself is, is, is you can, um, have done side projects. You can, uh, you can have done free work for people. You can lower the cost of hiring yourself. Um, you can just, uh, you can, when they measure you, uh, make sure that you, you measure up better. So like, you know, you can, um, build more skills, you can get more experience, you can, you know, work on yourself and come in with a better attitude. So like, it, it's, it's kind of, and, and I realized what you asked was, was more how you set that goal. That that's, that's a little bit once you have the sense of the goal. No, but I think I, that's, yeah, I think that's really helpful. Um, putting yourself in the mindset of the gatekeeper. I think that's a great concept. And I think that it actually fits with side projects, newsletters, because the gate, the gatekeeper is the reader. And so no matter what, or you want to start a business, well, the gatekeeper is the customer and, you know, and the, the gate that they're keeping close is their wallet, essentially. So I think it's a really good heuristic. Um, one thing I'm, this is kind of like a you know, meta topic here, but I, I get the sense that you're pretty good about keeping a little bit of distance to 
um, these like objectives. Uh, and I mean that in like a very positive way. So it's like, like, okay, you know, put yourself in their shoes, uh, create the thing that um, is going to sort of pass that, you know, threshold or whatever. And, it, and if it doesn't work, you know, improve. And I, I feel like a lot of the kind of creative kind of creator types, and maybe you saw this um, at your previous, you know, place of work, they, we, I d- identify so much, right. With, um, with the work that it's a little bit hard to kind of keep, it feels very objective. And I, I mean that in like the best possible way. That's like, Hey, let's just be realistic. You want to work in an organization like that. There's a gatekeeper. They have problems they're trying to deal with. How can you be the person that solves those problems to make their life easier so that, you know, they want to hire you, you get to do the design, they get, it, you know, they get it done. Um, anyways, I guess what I'm getting at is how do you think you've cultivated, maybe it's just natural, this uh, non, almost like attachment to you being the one that's on the chopping block, let's say, of um, the judgment of the gatekeeper, which is, I know it's a big question, but. Totally. I, I think that's a, that's a great question. And, and, and I, I'd love to say like, I'm this like enlightened human being, but, but frankly, like I get, you know, like get getting a rejection in a job search where you're super excited at the company, you get totally spun up and reactive. Um, I think, I think, you know, when, when we're talking about this, I think I can, I can give you advice from the perspective of the person I'd like to be most days. Um, or the, and, and, and I think one of the things that, you know, that one of the things that's helpful is, is, is I spend a lot of time mentoring um, our grads at Tradecraft. And, and because of that, you have to kind of put yourself in a little bit more of like a, hey, let's calm you down. Let's get a little bit more objective about this mindset. And you can, you can kind of reframe people's perspective, right? You, you can say like, look, this, this isn't about you. This is about them, right? And, and, and um, but that's, that's really hard to do for yourself. Um, there are definitely like books that have helped me, you know, uh, um, adopt the right mindset for myself and try not to be, try to be more responsive rather than reactive. Um, but, but yeah, that's, that's Type of books. Yeah. And you keep a reading list as well as part of your newsletter. Um, yeah. What, what comes to mind? Okay. So books that are good for personal development. Um, there's, there's a book called the untethered soul. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty allergic to the word soul. Um, but, and so I, I resisted reading it for a long time, but it's, it's a, if, if you are in my shoes, um, where you've been meditating uh, a bunch and you're sort of like, okay, I'm meditating. I like, this is, this is helping clearly. Like there's something good about this, but you don't really understand the why of meditation. Um, untethered soul is really valuable because, because the, and, and I think the, the most salient point from the book to me is that like you, you are not the voice inside your head. Um, you can confuse yourself with that voice. Um, uh, if that voice is telling you, you know, you're in the wrong job, you're with the wrong partner, you're not, uh, you're not a great person. Like, like you can confuse yourself and you can say like, Oh, that's the person I should be listening to. But really what you're listening to is kind of your deranged roommate. Who's, who's giving you questionable advice. Um, and really the, the goal is like, how do you fall back and, and not make that person you, the, uh, a second book that I, I really like is, is, um, there's a book called 15 commitments of conscious leadership. Um, and, and there are lots of leadership books, but like leadership books tend to be good because you're they're, they tend to be talking to people who are in pretty challenging circumstances. Um, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know a startup founder or, or CEO who, 
who, you know, doesn't have to battle with a lot of neuroses. Um, and so, and so, I, so that's a book that I think is, is, is pretty powerful. We talk a lot about like being able to recognize emotions, being able to kind of like, you know, process them so that they don't control you. And the whole thing's about like, how do you as much as possible try to be responsive versus reactive? Nice. I, I've not read the the second one. Uh, the first one, agree, is a is a great book. And I think just to bring it back to some of the themes that we're talking about today is, you know, as you talk about a diversified portfolio of projects, part of that is to separate yourself out from any one thing. And and I think that's a little bit similar to the, you know, first you separate from the the voice in your head. I know for me, and I've spoken about this before. I just separate my identity from my company's identity, and and that you know you see the success and the failure and you think it's you and, and that's just not the case. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's a, a good take and I, I want to pick up that second book as well. Um, I want to get to like experimentation and we can kind of round things out and, and begin to wrap there. Um, you know, I think as a, a creator and whatever the creator economy, I think a big part of just moving forward is, is not being afraid to experiment, not being afraid to try something new um, I'm curious about uh, either some things you're experimenting on that you feel like have been fun and interesting and uh, like any commentary on how you think about running experiments um, because I see that it seems like you're iterating a lot um, and I think for other people they get a little bit more paralysis as they create and they think because I said I had to do this you know two weeks ago now I have to write the same newsletter or whatever it might be yeah that's, that's a good point and I, and I think I think probably like the what I've noticed, and 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 for those who read my newsletter, will kind of note this too. Is like it's, it was pretty hard for me to like explain what I write about. Now I'm I'm sure like because you and I share so many interests, I'm sure you're kind of in the same boat. Like to explain who you are, what you write about, like and and so what I've been I, I've been using, and, and I think on on Twitter for a long time, I I kind of been gun shy about about. Um, tweeting a lot just because I, I think it's, it's sort of, I, I, I definitely get in my head and, and, and overanalyze stuff. Um, and, but, but I basically am thinking about it as like, this is kind of a place to one experiment with what do I like to talk about? Um, two, what is, what is my audience for, for lack of a better word need? Like what, what kind of information is, is useful to them? What, what space can I fill that, that other people can't? And I think, I think that's, that's pretty important when you're a generalist to try to, and, and it's probably at the intersection of some things. And so like, you know, there, and, and, and so what I'm trying to do is like, I'm trying to sort of use Twitter because of its kind of fast cycle and, and it's, it's like sort of consistent feedback loop to try to understand, okay, well, if I, you know, when I talk about this, what is the reaction from people I know, from people I don't know? Um, and, and it also, you know, it also helps grow the newsletter audience, but it's, it's, um, it's kind of a way to like zero in on, on some, cause it, it's, it's, I find it really like as someone who likes and thinks about positioning and branding a lot, I find it very hard to like position and brand myself. Right. And like, that's uh, the case. Yeah. As, as a writer. And so it's just, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're in a similar boat. And so it's like, I think of that, that's kind of the experimentation I'm, I'm running right now. And I think if you can, if you can commit to sort of like shipping a couple times a day, and I think Twitter is pretty good for that. Um, it's kind of a good way to like get over your own neuroses. Yeah. I think that's a great, uh, great perspective because it's really actionable. It, it is the case that you can get a lot of feedback quickly and you don't have to pick any one permanent 
you know, this is my podcast forever. You can just throw tweets up under different categories, see, you know, what it attracts, um, see who jumps in the conversation and then, you know, double down in that direction. I think that's a, a really great actionable thing that people can, can do. Um, I, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that we could discuss and I'm just gonna be respectful of your time here. Um, we, we didn't even hit on community. I know, I know I was gonna say, no, but I think we did though, because communities do form around creators and, oh. and I think you know, there's so many gems in there around, you know, putting yourself in someone else's shoes. I think that was a great and kind of the gatekeeper point. Um, I think that is how people need to think about, you know, am I creating something that these other people are going to open up their inbox for? And, and then how do I, um, you know, do I do that? Um, full-time? Do I do that, you know, part-time? Do they do that? Is that my identity? And I, I think those are all really important conversations to the community, um, you know, the broader community conversation, which I think people think of as maybe just this one specific, like, I don't know, Slack group or something when it's, it's, it's much broader than that. It's individual connection, you know, it's, it's attention and audience. And so I think it is a, a broader topic. Um, yeah. Why don't you just share uh, your, your site, um, the newsletter where people can find you, your Twitter, which I'll be in the sure, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so so newsletter is the Jungle Gym, junglegym.substack.com. Um, I have a website at nickduilda.com. It's very confusing why I have both of them. I'm still figuring that out. So if anyone uh, is is a, is a pro at at, <laughs> at that, let me know. Uh, and then and then you can find me on Twitter, just nick underscore duilda. That's D W I L D. Amazing. Thanks so much, man. All right. Thanks, man. That is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, if I can be of any help, feel free to reach out. My email is david, D-A-V-I-D, at death2stock.com, D-E-A-T-H-T-O-S-T-O-C-K.com. You can also find my personal site at davidsherry.me. Would love to chat with you. If you found this valuable, please uh, review, subscribe. That means a ton to me. And it just gives me the good vibe to keep going. So I'd really appreciate that as well. And that's it. We'll be back again soon.